are back. I've been watching a lot of movies lately. I've been I've had a lot more free time because the movie theater, there's just more and more shit that has to be done every day. So and it's it's nothing that you and I or Brandon can do. So I have time for movies. So I guess that's that's the one uh the plus side of everything that's going on is that I've seen a, a lot of movies recently. I've been going to the movie theater too, which hasn't been something I've done in a while. So I'm I'm back at the movie theater. I rediscovered did you ever use movie pass back in like 2016 2017 no i was too busy it's back they're bringing it back how so for those of you who don't know the story of movie pass back in 2016 2017 there was this company that claimed that for 20 dollars a month you could see any movie you want anywhere you want it was basically just like this little credit card that they put money on and they basically just paid for your ticket. At the time, it was a really bad system because they didn't have any deals with any movie theaters. So the cost for MoviePass was exceptionally high and they went bankrupt very quickly. It was a really great idea because, you know, it's a subscription service. You go to any movie theater anywhere in the country, go see any kind of movie. You could see 3D movies. You could see IMAX movies, whatever you wanted. It was really cool. I loved it. I had it for like the year that it existed saw a lot of movies that year saved a lot of money because when a ticket's like 10 bucks you see two movies and it's already worth it but because they did not coordinate with any of the movie theaters everyone lost out and movie pass just went bankrupt almost immediately which was really unfortunate because it was a really cool idea great way to get people to go to movie theaters more really encourage people to go to movie theater it was a great way to kind of save on money for those who didn't have a ton of money and 20 bucks a month it's basically just like any other subscription service, right? It might be a little more pricey than Amazon Prime or Criterion Collection or whatever, but... Deal is like too good. That's why I failed. <laughs> the deal was too good. It was too good. Yeah. So I guess because I was originally a member, I was kept on their email list. And I remember like a couple of years back that they were going to try to rework it and try to come back with the same founder, same guy. And I was always pretty skeptical. I'm like, I don't know how this is ever going to work. Like, I just don't see this ever working. But I recently got an email and it's officially back. I actually just got my subscription last week. My card comes in the mail in a couple of days. The big difference here is they've coordinated with all the big movie theaters. So I don't know what their deal is. Like, I don't know how it works necessarily, but they've clearly figured out a system in which they've realized that the theaters benefit and both the movie subscription service benefit. So I don't know if they pay some sort of flat fee up front or how it necessarily works. It seems to work similar to how DoorDash used to work. I used to work for DoorDash as a delivery driver, which was when you would go and deliver food sometimes, sometimes you would have to buy it on a debit card, really. So they put a certain amount of money on that debit card in which you would pay for that food. It kind of seems like they're doing something similar. So what you do is you go to the movie theater, and then you choose the movie you want to see, and you have to be at the theater to do this. So it's a little... Tendering. I don't know why you have to be at the theater to do this, but you go to the movie theater, you pick the movie you want to see, and then they'll put that amount of money on your card. And then you can go into the theater and pay with that card. I haven't tried it yet. I'm still waiting on the card, which is supposed to be here in a couple of days. I will let you know how that goes. But yeah, we'll see about this. I'm excited. They're using a credit system now. So before it was unlimited movies, you could see as many movies you want, wherever you want. Now it's Each film costs a certain amount of credits. So like if you go see a Tuesday matinee, it's going to be a lot less credits than say a Friday night showing of a new film. 
and of course they have limitations. They're not doing IMAX movies. They're not doing 3D films. It looks like they're not going to be doing new Disney movies like Marvel and that kind of stuff, which makes sense because that's always a pain in the ass anyways. So I don't know. I'm interested to see. They now have three tiers than before. Before they just had one tier, which was just like the unlimited version. Now they have like a $10 tier, a $20 tier, and a $30 tier. I'm trying out the $20 tier, which supposedly gets you three to seven movies a month. It's 75 credits. They're still in beta, so it's kind of testing out the system. If you didn't sign up for the waitlist, I don't think you can become part of MoviePass. I think they've already like finished it. But Andrew, if you want to try it out, let me know and I can send you, you can like invite friends or whatever. So hmm. if that's something you want to try, I can send you a link. The first month is free. So, you know, if you want to just test it for a month and see if it's something that you like, I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. I will let you know, but I'm, I'm excited for it to be back. I used to have that Regal Unlimited, which was pretty cool. It was a bit pricey. I think it was like $23, $24 a month. But what's nice about Regal Unlimited was it was as many movies as you wanted to see, no limitations at all. So you could go on a Friday night, you could see a new movie, an old movie, didn't matter. But the reason I don't have that anymore is because here in Reno, there is no Regals. The closest Regal cinema. I think there are Regals. I don't, I don't remember. Maybe. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. Back in Indy, there were tons. Like, they were almost all Regal cinemas. Right. Yeah. Which was great. So, you know, yeah. I had tons of options. But here, the closest yeah. one is San Francisco. So, four hours to go see a movie. So, hopefully, MoviePass will fill that up because they do work with Century, which is around here. And they're actually working with pretty much every major and minor movie theater. I mean, they basically have every movie theater in Reno on their list, even like the smaller ones. So, I don't know how the system works. I don't know how MoviePass is doing what they're doing. I'm hoping they get to survive this time, but I don't know. We'll see. I will let you know how this whole MoviePass thing works out. Yes, it's, it's interesting. What have you been up to? Since we last talked, honestly, I've only seen three movies since the last time wow. we talked. And that was two weeks ago. That's insane. It was two weeks ago. And that includes The Holy Mountain. Wow. Both of the other movies I saw in theaters at the Speed Art Museum. So we saw, we went and saw EO. I, I would say it's one of the best movies of 2022. I liked it a lot. Uh, Jersey Skolomowski, Polish film director, guy's been around forever. It's a late period film, very late period. Think of it kind of like a European art house version of like one of those like fantasy animal adventure movies where maybe the animal talks yeah, yeah, or something like that. They go like on an adventure, except it's like a donkey named Eo who's in Poland and he goes on an adventure and he kind of like meets like different fucked up people who do fucked up shit. He doesn't talk though. He's just kind of like a donkey that goes around and stuff. Okay. <laughs> It's a great movie. Sounds fun. Well, I wouldn't say it's fun. <laughs> no spoilers, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a very fun movie. The Dark. It's a pretty dark Polish kind of European art film. I had never ever, as far as I can remember, I've never seen a theater that packed before at the Speed Cinema. It's not a very big movie theater, but it was very packed. It was really busy. Everybody has EO fever, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I recommend it. It's, it's a very good movie. I liked it a lot. The only other movie was a movie that we saw last night at the Speed Art Cinema as well. We saw the new 4K restoration of uh, Rules of the Game. Oh, fuck. One of the greats. I've never seen it before. I thought it was pretty good. It, it was fun. The audience seemed to have a really, really good time watching it. I don't really have a lot to say about it. I, I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it had like a very good energy. It had a good kind of like pulsating energy going on. Not really my kind of movie, but it was really good. 
but the reason why I haven't been really watching very many movies is because, you know, last time we talked, I talked about watching Tulsa King, which I haven't watched any more Tulsa King since then. But in order <laughs> to watch Tulsa King, I took my parents' Paramount Plus account, which I didn't have before. And we briefly talked about Star Trek. And a while ago, I tried to watch, well, I watched The Next Generation. I watched Star Trek TNG um, on Netflix. And a while ago, I wanted to watch DS9, which is kind of the next series after TNG, basically. And uh, they took it off Netflix. But I realized after our conversation about Star Trek that they have every Star Trek series on Paramount Plus because right. it's CBS. They own it. So I've pretty much just been watching Star Trek the past couple of weeks, Star Trek DS9. I'm on season two. There are like seven seasons all together. season is basically like 26 episodes long. I, re- I really like DS9. Those 90s Star Trek shows are perfect at any time of the day. It's good to watch in the morning. It's good to watch while you're working. It's good to watch while you're like eating lunch or dinner. It's good to watch right before you go to bed. It's just the perfect show to watch at any point in the day. And I like DS9 because it's a little bit different than TNG, but it's similar enough. (laughs) Uh, DS9 is a little bit more dark. It's a little bit more pessimistic, I think. TNG is a little bit more uh, classic Star Trek where it's like very utopian and optimistic. I wouldn't say that TNG or DS9 are like... I wouldn't say one is better than the other, at least at this point, but DS9 is at least a little different. Instead of on a starship, they're on a space station. War is like a big part of the show, and I think it will continue to be as I progress through the show. Characters and kind of like their trials and tribulations are more apparent in the show as well than TNG, and episodes typically end very sadly. DS9 has like endings where it's just like, oh, that's the... (laughs) That's the ending. Wow, that was really sad. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there's a lot of endings like that, but I, I love the show, dude. It's so fucking good. And the thing about the show, too, of course, like TNG, is that there are so many episodes, and I've watched plenty of episodes now where it's just like, yep, that was boring. So that's just how it is. But of Deep Space Nine, I'm definitely going to be continuing to watch it. But I need to get back to my movie grind. Yeah, damn, I've never seen you watch so few movies. I'm amazed. Star Trek. Star Trek's amazing. I mean, when an episode of Star Trek hits, it hits very hard, just like any other movie in terms of its writing, its construction. It's just so satisfying when it's good. Speaking of television, I started watching The Twilight Zone, the Jordan Peele one. Very good. Every episode is... I've heard it's bad. I've only seen two episodes. The two episodes I've seen are very good. The Comedian and... What was the second episode I saw? I don't remember. Maybe it gets bad. I don't know. I mean, you know, they're all one-offs, so it's kind of hard to say. But the two I've watched are very good. The comedian has Kamal. I can never say his name right. The guy from Silicon Valley and then went on to be in Marvel and the Eternals. Kumal Manjiani. Yes, him. He's in it. It's a fun first episode. It also has Tracy Morgan in the first episode, which was fun to see Tracy Morgan. And then the second episode takes place on a plane. I enjoyed him. We stopped watching it because it's too dark for Emily. Like they're not, I mean, it's a Twilight Zone, so it's not like a happy, you know, go lucky show. So we didn't get through very much of it. And I can't really watch it while I work because it's pretty visually involved. So I, it, it's not talky enough for me to turn it on while I'm trying to work. But I've enjoyed it so far. Maybe it gets trashy. I don't know. I'll let you know. It's sad that uh, Jordan Peele, he's like the narrator, but he doesn't smoke. Like that's what's so great about the Twilight Zone. The narrator's always like has like 20 cigarettes during the episode, but I don't know. Maybe I'll get back into it. Maybe I won't. I am about to finish 
You should just watch Star Trek. Well, I'm going to. It's it's on the list, man. It's actually what I'm going to watch next. I am almost finished with the third season of The Wire, so I only have two more seasons of that. Oh, okay. The third season is by far the best season. Like, it's so much better. I, I think I told you I started it and I didn't. I couldn't get through it. I don't know why. No reason in particular. I just started the third season and I abandoned it. I mean, we've talked about The Wire a couple of times before. I was not a huge fan of the first season. I thought the second season was okay. But the third season is by far the best season. It's way more interested in the criminals and a lot more interested in kind of that end of things. The politics stuff is really cool. They spend a lot less time on McNulty, which I never really liked as a character because he's just kind of a dick. Is he the white cop? Yeah. Okay. In the third season, he's in it a lot less. I mean, he's still like the main guy, but I would say like in the course of an episode, he might be in it like five to 10 minutes. They spend a lot more time on the other characters. I think it's interesting because like the idea of the second season, right, is they bring everyone back who like moved off to a different place. They bring them all back together, right, to do another wiretap. But in the third season, they don't really do that. So they're all just kind of off doing their own things. And there's this really cool plot line. And this is why I think the third season works so well, is the mayor's like, I'm up for re-election and I need to lower the numbers of criminal murders and arrests and stuff. And they're like, fuck, we don't know how we're going to do this. Like, it's just a very violent area. And so there's this like really cool dynamic between like the police commissioner and the police chief and all these different people. And the police chief's like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to round up all of the drug dealers and I'm going to put them in this one area where there aren't like no one lives, like just this vacant area. They call it New Hamsterdam. And the idea is like, we won't arrest you for selling drugs if you're in this area. Because like, there's no one here. And then like, because they do that, they're like, yeah, we've lowered like the rate of crime significantly. Everyone's happier because of it. Because basically all they did is they got all the criminals and they just put them in one area. And they're like, you can just do crimes here. It's fascinating. And the way like, wow, they all interact with each other and how like the press finds out. And it's insane and lovely. And by far my favorite season so far. I think the next couple of seasons are gonna be cool too. Because I think the next season is the school system which I'm interested in. I don't know what the last season is, but... I think I had heard that, like, yeah, the first two seasons of The Wire are just okay, and then the last three are great. I'm enjoying it a lot more. I mean, do I enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed, like, Breaking Bad or Sopranos? Not yet, but I'm starting to see why people like it so much because the first two seasons, I didn't get it. Like, I didn't get why people loved it, but I'm starting to really enjoy it. All the characters are coming into their own because there's... The thing about The Wire is there's just a lot of different characters and i think by season three there's enough about each character because they don't get any new characters really it's just they introduce so many characters in the first season but by the third season you're like okay i i know who these people are now i know like their different ideas and things that they want to do and they spend a lot less time with the cops which i like because honestly the cops are kind of shitty i mean they're kind of shitty at their job they're kind of shitty human beings and you can tell like part of it is very of the moment because the first season came out in 2002 2003 so at the time there was kind of this very pro cop kind of conservative movement which you can kind of feel in the early seasons of the wire which feels a bit uncomfortable but season three they start to recognize that these cops are kind of shitty people and they do shitty things and it's fun it's interesting so i'm getting much more into the wire i also watched a shit ton of movies i went to the theater and i saw the whale i know people are mixed on it I get why people are mixed on it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was visually very soothing. It's a very warm-hearted film. 
I get why people can say perhaps it's a bit saccharine. I get that. There were a surprising amount of people in the theater when I saw it. Like I did not expect a movie like The Whale, especially on the, it was like a Wednesday afternoon. So it was like the middle of the day, but a lot of people were in the theater and everyone seemed to really enjoy the experience. I think it's a very warm hearted, feel good kind of movie. I mean, if you're not into that kind of feel good kind of stuff, you're not going to like it. Brendan Fraser's performance is very good. I haven't seen Brendan Fraser in something in a long time, so I'd love to see him in more stuff again. He does a great job. That's really the only reason I want to watch the movie, honestly. <laughs> it's really the only reason to watch it. I mean, it's a pretty small cast. There's only like six people in the film. It's all shot basically in one location, which is this guy's apartment. It's very clearly a low-budget film, probably shot for under a million, maybe a couple million. I enjoyed it. I think it's well-written. I think it's very kind. It's very open. One thing I'll say about Darren Aronofsky, which, you know, we've talked about him in the past. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Look, like, whether you like him as a director or not, you have to respect him for the fact that he's making the movies that he wants to make. And whether you like those movies or not, like, he definitely has a voice and he expresses that voice. And if you like that voice, you don't like that voice, like, whatever. But, like, you know, at least he's not making another fucking Wakanda Forever or the next fucking Ant-Man or fucking Thor 7. The fifth Knives Out movie. <laughs> the fifth Knives Out movie, yeah. So, you know, you got to give him that. He, he's doing what he wants to do, which I respect him for. And I enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed, honestly, most of Aronofsky's work. I get why people don't like him, but I enjoyed it. I also watched a movie called Margin Call. Have you ever seen this movie before? Margin Call? No, I'm guessing that's like a Wolf of Wall Street trading movie, right? <laughs> like type of shit. So what's so interesting about Margin Call, I went to this movie knowing absolutely nothing about it because this last week I'm like, I don't know, for whatever reason, I was kind of not wanting to watch older movies. Like I just wanted to watch like kind of new stuff, stuff I hadn't heard about, just like fucking go on to Netflix and just turn on whatever. Like I didn't want to have to think about a movie. I just wanted to watch something. And I found this movie out of nowhere. Like I was literally just scrolling through Netflix. And the best way I could describe it is it is a smart version of the big short. So it's actually very interesting. Visually, it's kind of bland. It does have Kevin Spacey in it. So there is that. Kevin Spacey isn't the bad guy in it, but it's hard not to see him as a bad guy in the movie yeah. or any movie. <laughs> I mean, he usually plays a bad guy, so it's usually not a problem. And this, he isn't technically the bad guy, but he's not necessarily a good guy either. He plays an asshole because, you know, he's an asshole. Yeah. But it's fascinating because it's about the 2008 housing crisis but instead of doing like the big short thing where they have to fucking explain everything to you like you're a six-year-old it's about this firm like one night and the firm realizes that they have been taking margins which basically means that they borrow money on mortgages and this guy like calculates that they are about to basically ruin the entire housing market it's a really like well-made and smart film and it takes place all over one night. And all it is, it's a series of meetings. Like, it's not visually that interesting. There's not a whole lot going on. It's basically just people talking to each other. And if you don't already know a lot about stocks or the housing market, it's probably going to be a pretty confusing film because they refuse to ever talk down to anyone. Like, it's a very smart film. And I'm not saying that, like, oh, you have to be, like, so intelligent to see the film. It's just you have to understand the concepts very well going into the film, which I mean, as someone I used to sell stocks. So as someone who knows that world really well, I really enjoyed it. It's really fun. It's insane. It's sad. 
it's really well written, really smart. I think I've seen some of his other work before. Let me see who the director is again. Like he's someone that's vaguely familiar. No, I guess I haven't. JC Chander. He's the guy who made like Most Violent Year and yes. uh, All His Loss and stuff. Yeah. And he's doing the new Craven movie. Wow. Can't wait for that. Yeah, I know. We're all super excited for that movie. But it was good. It was actually like I expected nothing out of it. So I think that's part of the reason why I enjoyed it is I had no expectations going in. So if you want a movie with no expectations, it's a fun little watch. It's not very long. It's just a smart little film. And that that's all it really is. But yeah, the only other movie that I watched, I think we haven't talked about is Blonde. The movie about Marilyn Monroe, based off of the Joyce Carol Oates novel. Yeah, it's a big fat novel. Yeah, I'm a huge Joyce Carol Oates fan. I think she is a a beautiful writer. Of course, I, I knew a lot about this movie coming into it because I'd seen all the trailers from way back when, and it's an extremely controversial film, and I don't really know why. Have you seen it yet, Andrew? No, not yet. Honestly, the only thing that's kind of holding me back from like really like diving into it, I do want to watch it just because like I like Dominic and he's kind of a crazy motherfucker and there's Nick Cave music in it, which I'm interested in checking out and, you know, big Nick Cave fan. Uh, It's just it's almost three hours long. It's long. I just need to carve out the time to watch it. But yeah, you know, like you said, it's like a very controversial movie, which means that there's probably something to it. Like, it's probably pretty good. It's probably at least decent. I really enjoyed the film. I guess I'm a bit baffled why people dislike this film any more than any other film. Like, there's nothing very controversial about it. And maybe I'm just missing something. I remember reading a couple interviews with the director, and he's like, I think the reason this film is so controversial because people are asking about it, because, of course, it's released to cans and all these things. And they're like, you know, why do people hate your movie so much? He's like, I love that people hate it. And I think the reason people hate it is because Marilyn Monroe... Unlike most biopics, there is a very specific idea of who she is going into this film. And that comes from a lot of different places, right? People have very different ideas of who this person is. And his theory is that when people see on screen someone other than this person that they have built up their entire lives of who this person is, that makes them angry. And maybe that's it. I saw some other things that he said that were a little suspicious, but that's okay. <laughs> like what? Yeah, I just remember like seeing on Twitter people picking and choosing from his interview. Like what he that what you just said was interesting, but there were other things that he said were kind of weird. I don't know. He's a weird guy, which I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. just like a weird movie director guy. Yeah. That's fine. I mean fuck it. What I love about this project, and I love these kind of projects, is this is a project that he's been working on for like a super long time. Like he's tried a very <laughs> yeah, long time true. to get this. And those are like my favorite kinds of movies. Like they spend like forever trying to make the film into a film, even if it doesn't become like a great film, like the Don Quixote film with Adam Driver. Like I don't think that's a great film, but I love that it took like 40 years to make the film. Like I love the experience of it. And, you know, with this film, it took like 20 years. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a very beautiful film. Ana de Arms does a great job as Marilyn Monroe. I think it's it's very tragic at moments. And maybe I, I see a lot of complaints about it being like overly sexualized, but I've seen some much more sexualized films than this. And I don't think in this film, Marilyn Monroe is very sexualized. And honestly, at the end of the day, knowing a lot about Marilyn Monroe, not from her necessarily, but from reading from a lot of biographies about people who knew Marilyn Monroe. I think he's honestly a bit light on Marilyn Monroe. I, I think he's kinder than he necessarily needs to be. I, I think he's very empathetic for Marilyn Monroe. And it's clear that Marilyn Monroe had a tough life. And I realized that 
the novel is a novel. It's not a biography. So there are some fictionalizations and I don't think the movie ever claims to be like a biopic. So it is more about the experience of existing with Marilyn Monroe more than it is about the actual fact. And maybe that's part of the reason people are angry because, you know, they're looking for like a straight biopic, like this is what happened in her life where it's kind of more like, you probably maybe should like approach the movie as if it's a movie about a person who is sort of Marilyn Monroe like not necessarily Marilyn Monroe it's a fictionalized version of Marilyn like it's really I mean in the same way the holy mountains kind of like the idea of ideas or the image itself it's about the idea of Marilyn Monroe and this projection of Marilyn Monroe than it is more about the actual person Marilyn Monroe so if you go into the movie thinking you're going to watch a biopic about Marilyn Monroe, I can see why you wouldn't like it. I can see why you wouldn't enjoy it. But I really enjoyed the film. It's very beautiful. There's a lot of different aspect ratios. I mean, he basically goes through the whole range of aspect ratios. I don't quite understand why you move from one aspect ratio to the other. Because, I mean, it'll just go from, like, scene to scene. And it's not like a thing where it's, like, a certain time period. Is this aspect ratio and a different time period is this aspect ratio? It's just all over the place with aspect ratios. You'll have a 4.3, then you have a 2.39, you have a 2.01, and it's just going all over. And then sometimes it's black and white, sometimes it's John film, sometimes it's digital. He just really goes the whole gambit with uh, different types of film techniques. And it's a very imaginative and beautiful film. I really loved it. I had a great time with it. But it is close to three hours long, which it doesn't feel like three hours long, but it, it still is three hours. So you'd have to take a good chunk of change out of a day to experience the film. But I think you'd like it, Andrew. I think you'd have a good time with it. I would at least find it interesting. It's probably at least more interesting than most movies that came out last year. I'd say so. Yeah, once again, I've just I've, I've not been movie pilled lately. I need to get movie pilled again. I've been Star Trek pilled. <laughs> I've been way too Star Trek pilled. I'll watch like several episodes in a day. Like, I don't give a fuck. That's crazy. It's just so chill and satisfying to watch. I want to see Knock at the Cabin. I really want to see that film. I think I'm going to try to see this film. Yeah, I definitely going to see that movie. We're definitely going to see that movie. I'm going to try to watch, you know, M. Night Shyamalan. That's a director who I haven't really seen any of his stuff. I haven't seen Unbreakable or Sixth Sense or any of those movies. I did see Old, which was one of the best movies that came out in 2021. I really like that movie. That's another controversial movie where you have people that say it's really bad and you have people that say it's really good. I think it's pretty good. I like it's kind of weirdness because at least it has like some texture to it. So I, I like old, even though a lot of people don't like it very much. I've only seen a couple of the Night Shyamalan movies. I've seen Sixth Sense, Avatar The Last Airbender, which I don't think Avatar The Last Airbender should count. It's a very bad film, but I don't think that's necessarily a Night Shyamalan's fault. There's a lot of reasons that film didn't work but i mean we've talked about old before it's a film i wanted to watch for a while i wanted to watch glass wanted to watch unbreakable i mean i really respect m night Shyamalan as a director because as you say even those films are a bit controversial not everyone loves them this film's got texture right he's doing the thing that he wants to do oh science didn't he do that film too the film with the cornfield yeah i've seen that one eh, that one's not great but Again, I respect M. Night Shyamalan because he's making the movies that he wants to make. And that's all I really want for in a director. You know, if they're making the movies that they want to make, no matter if they're dumb or stupid or silly, I respect that. Like, you know, as long as you're not making another fucking Marvel or DC movie. Although I am going to go see Ant-Man because... No, I'm not going to go see it. That movie looks miserable, dude. I'm serious, man. Like, you know, I watched Ant-Man 1 
not too long ago, and I thought it was decent. And you know, Ant- I haven't seen Ant Man two, but Ant Man three just from trailers looks like a fucking miserable green screen mess. Like it does not look like a fun movie at all. It probably won't be. I want to watch them like interact like in the real world. That's like fun, right? <laughs> Why would I want to see them interact in like a, a boring video game world? Uh, I I can't even think of the last one that isn't mostly even like Black Panther uh, Wakanda Forever. Most of it is green screen. But here's the thing. Ant-Man, they don't use green screen. They use the same thing they used in The Mandalorian. So they use those LCD screens behind them. So I think it's going to look better. I'm good, dude. Like, I'm not going to go see that movie in theaters. Like, no way. I feel a an obligation. I know. It's just at this point, I've seen all of them. So I can't not do it now. Like, I can't. But they get, they're so bad. Why? They're so bad. And they're so long. I haven't enjoyed. The last Marvel movie I saw in theaters that I enjoyed was spider-man homecoming which was a year ago now so i'm gonna keep doing it you mean the third one yeah sorry not homecoming no way home yeah that's the last one i enjoyed because thor was that's approaching two years i know that's approaching two years since it was released i know it's been a while because thor was not good which i was hoping it would be taika with tt but it was not wakanda forever it doesn't matter who makes these movies i know oh no the doctor strange one wasn't very enjoyable Wakanda forever did we ever talk about Wakanda forever? No, I didn't see it. <laughs> it's got a really good opening and there's definitely like images that are really good. Because I think Ryan Coogler is a good director, but I think it's the same problem that Sam Raimi had and even Taika Waititi had, which is at the end of these day, these films are films directed by a conglomerate. And so the director's voice is buried. So you'll see like a couple of images that look very good. The opening to Wakanda forever is very enjoyable, very touching. But the climax ends in a conversation. Also, does Disney own Avatar? They must. Okay. Because do you know who the bad guys are? You know, in Disney World, they have Avatar rides that I've been on. They must own Avatar. In Animal Kingdom, they have like like an Avatar section. That's actually really cool, honestly. When I went with my family there, the longest line that we waited for was for like the Avatar ride. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very popular. It's a ride where you ride one of the flying creatures. It's like a virtual reality. That's dope. That's really cool. Yeah, so the bad guys in Wakanda Forever are Avatar people. Oh, yeah. They're like blue. They're blue. They're like water people. (laughs) I swear to God, I thought like halfway through the movie, like when they were going to be like, here's where people There's going to be an Avatar uh, Avatar Marvel crossover. I I thought they were going to say like, we're from Pandora because like they wear the same type of clothes they're blue they're fucking water people like the way of the water like i swear to god i was just waiting for them to be like yeah like we're originally from pandora that's ridiculous they ran out of ideas they ran out of ideas <laughs> they, they just any. took avatar it was so weird i was like i don't understand like the decisions that were made because i guess technically they're not avatar people but they they basically are so it was very strange but the climax of the movie, like they're fighting each other and it just ends in a conversation. It's like the same thing that happened with Black Adam. They're just like, hey, let's just not fight. Like that's... Did you watch Black Adam? No, but you did. And we talked about oh, it. Okay, I did, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's how I know about it. I haven't watched it yet. Don't watch it. Yeah, I probably won't. <laughs> but yeah, we're kind of forever. There's some good moments in it, but overall would not recommend, especially for you. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I know. The day's going to come where I stop watching the Marvel movies, but it hasn't happened yet. It's going to be soon, though, because I'm I'm running out of steam here. I, I really am. And we're running on two years since I've seen one that I've genuinely enjoyed. So 
Which ones come out this year? Ant-Man. Here, I'm going to look on Letterboxd real quick. Well, you know, new Spider-Verse movies coming out this year, which oh, I shit. might see that one in theaters. But that's Sony. I mean, technically that's... No, I know, I know. But it's still like a... I'm just talking about like superhero movies in general as well. Yeah, you got to see the new one. I might see that one, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to see... Like, I'm on Letterboxd right now. I'm trying to see what other Marvel movies... I guess Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is coming out this year, which that one is... I might go see the Shazam sequel, which I don't know about that. Did you ever watch Shazam? You know, I watched the first movie not too long ago. I was just kind of like bored at home and I was like, yeah, I'll throw it on. And it's just a completely blank slate, whatever movie. I just completely, (laughs) I don't like Zachary Levi very much. I don't think he's very funny. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I really didn't care much for it. Craven the Hunter. That comes out this year. Oh, yeah. Craven the Hunter. I guess they're making another Marvel, like Captain Marvel movie called The Marvels. Marvel's an upcoming American superhero film. Who gives a shit? I do not care. Supposedly, that Flash movie is supposed to come out this year, but that movie has been in the making for like 10 years. It's never going to come out because the main guy, the guy who plays the Flash, he got into some serious trouble recently. So that movie's probably never going to happen. I mean, they've been working on that movie forever. It's not going to happen. I don't care. Yeah, it's just like... So I guess the Marvel movies that are coming out this year are New Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy... Craven. Craven. <laughs> New Marvels. Shazam. Wait, no, Shazam. Shazam Shazam's is DC. DC. I'm sorry. I apologize. You should. And there's probably others, but I'm missing them. I can't really see. I'm looking on, on the internet. Yeah, I'm excited for the new Spider-Man movie. That's going to be good. I'm pumped. I mean, the first one was great, and it's been a long time. Did you watch the trailer for the new Ari Aster movie, Bo is Afraid? I just saw the trailer in theaters yesterday. Oh, yeah. It looks pretty cool. I'll watch it. I fucking love Ari Aster. It doesn't look as scary as his other stuff. Yeah, it looks a little bit more interesting. I think he's pretty good for the most part. But yeah, I, I like Joaquin Phoenix. I'll watch anything with him in it. He's really he's one of the greatest actors. Did they play the new the Indiana Jones trailer when you yes. were there? Okay. Yeah. Are you going to see that? He's so fucking old. I, I think I'm going <laughs> to see that one, yeah. Well, what's directed by? I didn't realize it's directed by James Mangold. That's pretty funny. I guess maybe it really? will be terrible if it's directed by that guy. But who who, who knows? Phoebe Waller-Bridges was originally supposed to direct it, but she stepped down because she's in the movie. That's funny. I didn't realize that. I think she wrote the screenplay. Let me see. Anna, what, what the fuck is this movie called? The Dial of Destiny. Hell yeah, I'm going to see it. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, new John Wick as well. New Dune, I think, is coming out this year. I think I'm going to maybe try to see Infinity Pool sometime in theaters as well. I bet it's playing around you. I don't know about that. Let's see. It's playing at several theaters around here. Mia Goth's in it, and I think she has reached a big enough star status that they're going to play it wide. I mean, if they play it here, they're going to play it anywhere. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to see it, I think. What the fuck is this movie about? It's a Brandon Cronenberg movie. Is he the son of David? Or is he the... Yes, he is. Do you not know that? Yeah. I've heard his name before, but I didn't know like how he was related. Oh, okay. And if he was like a nephew or, or whatever. I haven't seen any of his movies. He made a movie a couple years ago that people really like called Possessor. Haven't seen it yet. Well, I mean, if he's anything like the OG, I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't think he's as good as his father, but it's still interesting, I guess. But he's still young, right? Yeah, he's like a younger guy. He's got time. Good for him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> good for him. His dad is a famous movie director. What are the children of directors who are better than their parents? I don't think that exists. I mean, there's a lot of child of famous directors that are directors. Are there any that are better? I can't think of any. None None up here in my brain. 
I'm gonna look this up real quick. Looking around here. Uh, Sam Levinson, he's the guy who created Euphoria. His uh, father is Barry Levinson. He's the guy who directed Rain Man and Sleepers and Wag the Dog and all those shitty movies. Jason Reitman? I didn't know his dad was... Oh, shit. Ivan Reitman, yeah, he died. Jason Reitman might be a better director than Ivan Reitman. I don't know if Jason Reitman has ever directed a movie better than Ghostbusters. I'm sorry, but I don't think that's... I don't think that's the case. I'm not as big of a Ghostbusters fan as you are, but I mean, didn't Jason Raymond, didn't he direct the last Ghostbusters movie? Yes, he did. That's awesome. That's fun. A little father-son action. And then his dad died. That's less happy. Rob Reiner's dad was a director? Huh. Yeah, that's about it. Otherwise, I mean, Sofia Coppola, she's made some good films, but it's hard to beat one of the greatest directors of all time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Interesting. Hmm. Well, good thing we're not the children of directors. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, uh, thank you all for listening and until next time. Thank you. Thank you.